in a world where everyone and their brother has a podcast. One stands alone. It's been called one of the podcasts of all time. Welcome to Internet Killed the Video Store. So let's get to it. All right. It's the season finale. This is our final round of the year in tears. We're doing the best and worst movies of the year of 2023. What we do, if you're unfamiliar, is categorize all the movies we saw this year into five different groups. Simply put, the best, the good, the mid, the bad, and the worst. But just to confuse it, we often give them, or pretty much always give them, tier names that are sometimes themed by the year, other times they're just nonsensical. Um, I guess start at the bottom. We've got the worst movies of the year. These are the gas station toilets. <laughs> you avoid these at all costs. What do we got? Oh, my God. 16 of them? Yeah. So worst of the worst was an indie horror movie, Suitable Flesh. Mm. Uh, Heather Graham was in this, which yeah. I think got me interested. Plus, it was based on an H.P. Lovecraft novel. Mm-hmm. Or a short story, I'm not sure. It's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, I'll say that. But it was just super sleazy, softcore porn movie. It was mm. not good at all. Softcore oh, no. porn movie? It just Are made me serious r- right now? real sad for Heather Graham. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, like, you're 50, you shouldn't be doing this anymore. Oh, man. And I want to think that I'm not a prude, but there are a lot of really sexually explicit movies in the bottom half of this list this year. And so I guess that's probably fitting that this is the bottom. Representing Um, the worst of the sexualization. (laughs) How dare you do that to Heather Graham? It was really that much softcore porn. I mean, the whole premise of the movie is that she body swaps with this teenage dude who just wants to like experience her fucking other people. Hmm. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. H.P. Lovecraft does these kind of like, I don't know, his trademark is like supernatural, unexplained horror stories. Yeah. Eldritch horror. There's like a touch of that, but not nearly as much as I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. So that was a bummer. Um, That's the worst. Um, 95, right above that, we've got Charlie Day's directorial (laughs) debut, Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Fool's Paradise. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's got a Green Day title. It's directed by Charlie Day. I'm surprised you haven't seen this, Ben. What? (laughs) He directed and wrote this movie. And I think you guys both know, I'm not the biggest fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but... I I didn't know that. I was excited to see him kind of get this blank canvas to go do whatever he wants. And this was just not redeemable in almost any facet what a squandered opportunity to do anything he wants yeah yeah no this movie is like fundamentally flawed yeah it just presents a character who has no goals or aspirations and then asks you to sit with them for a whole i mean it wasn't short right no like regular (laughs) length of a movie with a pretty thin premise well and worst of all is that he doesn't talk Right. He doesn't speak the entire film, which I never thought like Charlie Day was one dimensional. But when you take away his like high pitch, high energy delivery, and he's just like 
pantomiming the entire film yeah it does not work at all he's not really doing anything funny or compelling no he's so. not a physical comedian i guess enough to sell it. right well and it's just a vehicle for like all these other characters that are just doing bits you yeah. know yeah but none of them are funny either it just no. i don't know maybe it was like a bunch of his friends or something and they were just I don't know. The whole thing just felt like a bad series of like Mad Magazine sketches where it just really reaching for the punchline and it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. Doing bad Hollywood parody where you'd think there'd be plenty of material there, but. I was just exhausted. Like by the end, (laughs) it was like, oh no, not another zany character, please. (laughs) Because it's just, it's stitched together. There's no like real, like the energy of the film is just so flat. Yeah. That it's just bit after bit. It's like, why? You could have just released this as like, I don't know, episodes of a bad <laughs> series if you yeah. wanted to do these weird characters. But dude, yeah, I don't know. I love Charlie Day and I love Always Sunny. And he's been able to do some cool stuff like that homages filmmaking and Hollywood and stuff that I can kind of see the DNA of in this movie, but it's just not working here, whereas he's made it work before. So I just don't understand how this went so wrong. Yeah, I think kind of hit the nail on the head with like the different zany characters, because that is kind of what happened, or at least how they progressed the plot. We're like, okay, now he's going to hang out with Common for a little bit where he's doing this Wesley Snipes caricature, like living out of a van thinking he's Blade, but they can't say it's Blade. Or John Malkovich is weird, like political non sequitur. Like Mm -hmm. it was just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason to care about any of it. No. Before we get too far, I guess I should point out, we're not going to hit every movie here. We're just going to go do some pit stops along the way from 96 to 1. So if you want the full breakdown, that is available on internetkillthevideostore.com. This is just kind of a greatest hits, worst hits, however you want to frame it. Hell yeah. Which brings us to uh, Monsters of California, (laughs) Tom DeLonge's directorial debut. Had a lot of first-time directors this year. Mm -hmm. I didn't anticipate Charlie Day and... Tom DeLonge making two of the worst movies, but here we are. (laughs) I was hoping there was going to be more like UFO truther stuff to it, but it's just generally bad. I know you paid for it, but then you like never watched it. I don't think that story made it onto the show, but I rented it on Amazon for like five bucks. And then I was sitting there and I was just like, I don't want to fucking watch this. What am I doing? (laughs) You couldn't bring yourself to press play. Like it was enough to, to purchase. Never actually watched it. Yeah. That's not a bad decision. I I took a different approach this year, man. I watched, (laughs) I was pretty much just like, I'm going to watch the ones that I think look interesting. Even out of the bad section, because I got to watch some. Right. They're like low on the list. (laughs) But like, I didn't, yeah, I've only got like two in the bad section. That's all right. We can crank through the worst pretty quick. (laughs) We got two more uh, sex movies. (laughs) Why are there so many sex movies this year, dude? I don't know. I d- I'm not seeking these out, I swear. <laughs> Sanctuary is 93, which is like a short independent horror movie about a dominatrix hmm. who like freaks out the moment her rich client decides to break their contract and tries to do the obvious like blackmail tactics. Yeah. And this is with the guy from... Uh, on the Count of on Three. On the Count of Three. And cool. that's the reason I watched it, because right. I really liked Christopher Abbott. And Christopher I was like, Abbott. okay, he's in this 90-minute independent horror movie, which is getting rave reviews. I'll check it out. And no, uh, it was it was a bummer. It's all in like 
the same two hour time span in this hotel room at right mm. as he's telling the girl that they're ending the partnership or deal, however you phrase that. Right. Thanks. Yeah, so it's a bummer. It got good reviews though. What what do you think it worked for other people and, and not you? I think some people really liked how like the two actors had to fill out the movie just with such a limited setting and gives them a lot. Yeah. Limited story. Margaret Qualley. Yeah. She's the dominatrix. She's in once upon a time in Hollywood. Okay. She's going to be the lead in a new Coen brother movie. So I think that was the other reason I was like, okay, I'll see what she's about. Uh, The Coen brothers are back. No, sorry. I misspoke. One of the Coen brothers. Okay. All right. I just had to check real quick. (laughs) Sorry. That caught me off guard. Do they make good stuff? They made Fargo. It looks like, right? Yeah. They make the best stuff, man. The best. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Barton Fink, oh, Big brother, Lebowski. Yeah. Oh, brother, where art thou? I feel like the Coen brothers are who Quentin Tarantino thinks he is. Whoa. <laughs> like, just so? super, like, really clean, really efficiently done, really good writing. Yeah, but there's so much more of an edge to Tarantino's stuff that usually isn't there with, well, I can't say that. Like, there's say, always there's dark some, comedy. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And I don't know. Um, they're maybe. more subtle. I mean, maybe yeah. that is it. <laughs> I don't maybe think... it is just Tarantino. Like, <laughs> I don't think Tarantino sees how much of a cartoon he is, dude. Also, Strange Man, right? A Strange Man. A Strange. Wait, man. you mean a serious man? A serious man. Yeah, a serious oh, man. Fuck, it might yeah, be my dude. favorite. Dude. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Favorite I think it's what? Mine it's too. your favorite movie? Favorite Coen Brother movie? Oh, I think might that... be like top ten movies of all time. I man. love that movie. It's that unreal. So all right, let's check it out. And uh, that dude, that actor. Yeah. Michael uh, Stolbarg, I think is his yeah, name. Yeah, Michael St- Stolbarg. He's great. He's in Arrival. He's in Shape of Water. He hasn't been anything lately, but really good actor. He was in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah, he was like huh. a, another doctor in that one. Right. Doctor Normal. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting way off topic. Well, this is, we're only this at is 95. Go, all right? oh, we don't need God. structure, man. We're this n- is the one time of year that we need structure. Right. Weren't you Why? the one last time going, are we going to do all of these? And we're at so like 93. Many. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're doing a countdown? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The fuck? We've already been here for an hour, dude. <laughs> My God, we're doing a countdown. I got to go. All right. 92, we got Master Gardener. Paul Schrader did another lonely narrator writing his memoir to desk. 91, we got Jonah Hill, You People with the CGI kiss. I think we already talked about that. Yeah. Any CGI Long sex? Not that I saw. Maybe deleted scenes. I got. I actually, I know we're trying to speed it up, but like, <laughs> what what was it about You People that made you think like, maybe this will be good? <laughs> or did know. you know it would be bad? I mean, maybe that's, I... that's one that I just look at the cover and I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, shit. I watched this one. <laughs> Maybe I'm naive, but like, I feel like it's such a rarity to see Eddie Murphy in a comedy. So I'm like, I was okay, wondering if it would be that he's coming out for something. Jonah Hill's in it. Julia like, Louise Dreyfus is in it. But that I think at the same time, dude, like seeing Eddie Murphy is when I know to run because I know. Well, the, the last thirty comedy movies he's made were bad. But he's he's been choosy lately. He hasn't. I mean, he's come out a little more recently. But he was gonna like relaunch himself. But then he made Coming to America and it was terrible. So uh-huh. yeah, I Did don't you know. Say so he's been CGI. more choosy, but he's still just choosing bad yeah, things. Yeah, I was I was hoping the choosiness <laughs> would be some sort of quality indication but no no this movie was so fucking forced dude so bad no so i don't know if you're here or not but when we talked about it there was a rumor going around the extras on set 
saw the final kiss between Jonah Hill and his wife, they never actually like kissed. They got really close, and then they CGI morphed their faces together in post to make it look like a kiss. <laughs> Why? Because she didn't want to kiss Jonah? There must have been some kind of weird tension. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. The whole movie is written and directed by the creator of Blackish, but then Jonah Hill was written in as like a co-writer later, so I feel like he probably had a heavy hand in trying to reshape and like rewrite this movie. Yeah. Because it takes substantive changes to be credited as a writer. Most rewrites don't get credited at all. So something tells me he kind of... 30 or 40% or something. Yeah. It's pretty significant. I think it's a little corny the way it goes about what it's trying to do. Oh, yeah. I think it does it very well. It's not a good movie. (laughs) It's... Yeah. Did not enjoy that one. But yeah, I don't know. Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy. I thought it can't be terrible, right? But it's pretty close. It doesn't help when you don't give the funniest guy in the movie any jokes. Like Mm. Eddie Murphy was not a funny character in this. They tried to make him like Robert De Niro and, and meet Mike the parents. Pockers? Yeah. Oh. That's exactly what I was thinking. And it's like, he, <laughs> give him a joke. Let him say something funny. Yeah, that's dumb. What, exactly a mistake. what, I, um, what a mistake. I thought the same thing about Strays. Like, okay, how could it be bad to give Jamie, Jamie Foxx Fox and, and Will Ferrell the ability to make voiceover right. for dogs? But yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. I don't, I don't know what happened to Will Ferrell. I still want to believe there's a funny guy in there, but... Every time lately, I'm proved wrong. Damn, mm-hmm. was that bad? I was actually kind of a little excited. I Yeah, I was willing to at least give it a shot, obviously. But no, it's like tries to do all this cutesy like pet owner humor, but then like mixes it with like really crude like dog shit and dog sex jokes. And yeah. it's just not a good mix. Bummer. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's 90 did you watch Totally Killer or did you mark the wrong thing? And no, think that no, was the... that, that was a rage quit for me. That was a rage quit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't think I made it all the way through, but yeah. Didn't work on any front. Wasn't okay. wasn't scary, wasn't funny. The time traveling thing was just a stupid plot device. You never liked time travel either, right? Not never, but this just felt like... <laughs> Didn't justify it. No, this was like just stupid. There's It was like the anniversary of some like slasher and some kid at the science fair just happened to make a time machine so they could go back. <laughs> like, Oh, gosh. Yeah. It, no. You, Anytime you have the science fair in a movie, <laughs> like something has gone really wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good happens at the science fair. 88, Five Nights at Freddy's. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I've never played these games. I don't know what like all the lore is, but it feels just like a botched adaptation yeah. where you can tell there's cool stuff there. It just never comes through in the movie. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what's going on. I think it's more for like people much younger than us. Is that what it is? Yeah. I think we're just too old for it. I've watched some streams of like people when the first game came out and it was like, oh, this is kind of funny and interesting, but some people like younger people took it to just a different level of getting into like the lore of the series and stuff, which is, I just didn't realize was actually a thing. Yeah. I don't know. It did really, really well as far as like viewership. Yeah. It's the biggest thing Peacock's ever put out. Um, and then it also did really good at traditional box office. I think it was the highest grossing horror movie of the year. They've continued to put out games. It's almost like I, well, it's a reasonable enough following that you can just get people by making a movie with Easter eggs of the stuff in it. But yeah. I don't think it was really supposed to work for anyone but them. No, I mean, again, I don't have any experience with the source material, but just at face value, it seems like, okay, the robotic band from Chuck E. Cheese comes alive and kills people. 
Right. But what that's the... not what happens in this movie. Like they hardly mm. even spend five nights at Freddy's. You're half the movie is like dream flashbacks of the people that possess these robots. Oh, okay. And the robots are like befriending this little kid in the movie. So they're yeah. not even really scary. So setting up for like future stuff. Yeah, yeah. So did not like that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um 87, The Pope's Exorcist, I did watch, even though it was behind a Netflix paywall, just to feel like I was a good friend to Max. I didn't send him alone on this island, even though I made him watch The Idol by himself. <laughs> but I did drop it from where he had it. I think you put it below 65, oh, yeah. way up higher. Oh, I didn't notice that until now. <laughs> I downgraded it. I thought it was a gas station toilet. <laughs> oh, gas station toilet. What? Really? You didn't even think, like, at the end when uh, you see... Russell Crowe pull up on the Vespa. You're not like, man, I could I could see I could watch another one of these. It does very much feel like they're setting up a franchise in yeah. this movie, which really was the most shocking thing. But Dude. no, this felt like this was to the Exorcist what National Treasure is to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a dumbed down modernization. Yeah. Butchering all the things they're trying to recreate. Mm-hmm. I w- had rewatched The Exorcist for our interview with Nate and yeah. I was like I just had this weird hankering for like badass priests that's <laughs> yeah. something I never thought I would a weird hankering <laughs> yeah man I was just like there's this scene in in the exorcist where it's just Max von Sydow and oh yeah uh, I don't know the guy the Damien Damien yeah. you know just like sternly flicking holy water on each other <laughs> <laughs> I was like man this is tight these guys are badass yeah never thought that before <laughs> you know he's never a very religious person but yeah I was like these guys sell it Russell Crowe looks like a pretty badass priest but um, he's definitely he, like he was dude yeah, he's, yeah he fills it out for sure <laughs> his accent is pretty great <laughs> he's uh yeah he's, he's living his best life he seems to be enjoying it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think of the Haunted Mansion? We got that down oh, there at 86. I think this is why the actor strike actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was this movie, dude. You can't make people do this stuff, especially not Lakeith Stanfield and Rosario <laughs> Dawson. Like, what the fuck? I they actually made them look bad. Like, you think I, they made them do it? Well, I mean... I'm kind of curious, actually. Yeah, you get to look at the script, but then... Yeah, okay, fair point. Like, Did they look at the script, though? Because... <laughs> When I Did they look at the script. When I was watching this, I kept thinking, okay, there's more there's more names in this somewhere, right? Cuz I remember looking at the cast and being really impressed. And then there's like a random throwaway scene where they go to this exhibit and fucking oh. Winona Ryder and uh what's his name? Shit's Creek guys show up for like Yeah. Three minutes. It's like did they hire these guys before they even know what they're going to do with them in the movie? Oh, Why are it didn't they here? Seem like there was a lot of Danny DeVito or some of the other yeah. like Owen Wilson characters didn't get a lot of screen time compared to just too La- many characters lakeith had to do a lot yeah and uh they snuck yeah. jared leto in here too they made Did me they? watch a leto movie oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i feel like i won't look at any of these people the same except for owen wilson yeah i think that he is decent there's a few moments yeah. where he's actually like pretty charming even though he's just charming. acting with like cgi ghosts yeah it's like wow dude this dude picked up some tricks from those fucking night at the museum movies speaking of <laughs> sleazy uh priests he was pretty good i like yeah, that there you go the art direction and everything it looked cool when they went to like the ghost realm but yeah none of these characters know. or anything 
was anything worth spending time with. It was just, yeah, it was just a total mess. And then it still tries to pull off like the classic Disney feel good ending at yeah. the end. And yeah. it's like, dude, come on, you haven't earned any of this. I don't feel anything but frustration right. and annoyance right now. <laughs> and you would think if they're going to make movies out of Disney theme park rides, Haunted Mansion would be the most applicable to turn into a movie. And easy. Right. But somehow they're 0 for 2. Yeah. 85, we got Megan. What was your take on Megan? I've been waiting for someone to agree with me. This is terrible. Did you like I it? I disagree entirely. You like it? This oh, is, you like it. This is it. malignant all over again, except yep. I don't have to feel conflicted about it. <laughs> you have popular support behind you. Yeah, well, and it's not like just casually, like, you know, making light of uh, sensitive topics. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow, Ryan, everyone did like it. Everyone liked Dude, Megan. Everyone loved me. it. Megan, Megan is funny. <laughs> Yeah. Is it supposed to be though? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Ryan, mean, you're watching it wrong. I'm watching it wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it below Exorcist Believer, which again, we've got a lot of priest movies this year. Priest and sex. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exorcist Believer. Uh it was edited really well. Like it went really quick. <laughs> I would I commend it for that. Like it was like mm. Dave and Gordon Green was just oh, rushing me through this. Like the lighting was incredible. Yeah. He really kept the pace up. <laughs> Uh, what do we got? 83, 80 for Brady. Wasn't terrible. What? Wasn't terrible. Why did you watch this? <laughs> so here's the thing. To see Tom Brady? No, I I hate Tom Brady, but I've watched Frank and Gracie, or Gracie and Frank, whatever Lily okay. Tomlin and uh, Jane Fonda's show on Netflix was. Yeah. And that's basically what this movie was. Okay. Just an extension of those characters. They just right. make some new friends and go to the Super Bowl and hang out with Guy Fieri. So... <laughs> <laughs> I was, okay, this isn't terrible. But it wasn't good? No, it's still the worst. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's still a gas station toilet, bad. but it's not... You kind of sold me on it there, but... Um... <laughs> no, it's got a lot of dumb, like, easy laugh cameos, mm -hmm. but overall, no, it's still just a big, empty commercial for the NFL. Did Tom show up? Oh, yeah, oh. and he had, like, four lines, and it was terrible. <laughs> like, he should never do that again. When you're a worse actor than Gronk, you know you've really failed. <laughs> So that sums up our gas station toilets. The bad tier, the bad but not entirely terrible. What's These the name? are the Sega Dreamcasts. <laughs> there it is. There yep. it is. You've been waiting for it. <laughs> obviously not good, but somewhat redeemable. Crazy Taxi was fun, right? Right, Did you guys yeah. play Crazy Taxi? That's, I think it came with that. Uh, that was the good one. You never played Crazy Taxi? And you had a Dreamcast. I don't think so. <laughs> what? Where did you play on your Dreamcast if you didn't play Crazy Taxi? Test Drive 6. What? No. Yeah, I had Eve Six is the uh, Eve Six was on there. But did she drive a taxi? You might have been able to. Mm, there are plenty of cars. Why six. the fuck would I choose a taxi? Did you play the original NBA 2K? Nope. <laughs> I didn't realize this until years later when I was looking at like the details on how the Dreamcast failed. Did yeah. you know they didn't burn protect any of their games? Oh. So you could just burn Dreamcast games, run like, them from Blockbuster. That's not yeah. gonna get big. <laughs> People weren't gonna. What? <laughs> No way. But oh, yeah, that, man. That's a problem. So, yeah, back to movies. 74, we got 65. <laughs> Old Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs. Yeah. Not in Turok like he should be. But Oh, that would have been a good... Yeah, that would have been way cooler. Do like a Turok thing. Yeah. No, this one... If you're going to make a movie that's just like two actors in the woods, it needs to look a lot better than this. Like, I don't think they thought about that or no. maybe just didn't have the budget to really do like 
a lot of on-location stuff. Yeah. Also, just don't do a bunch of bad CG. Like, you don't have the budget for that either. Yeah. I'm so sick of bad CG. And, like, of course this movie was going to be that because it's just a dinosaur movie. Right. So. I think the thing that stuck out to me in this movie was just, again, the fact that one of the main characters, like, couldn't talk. (laughs) Like, you have this wolf and lone cub storyline but they can't really communicate with each other so that's another thing though man like just please chill out on death yeah Yeah. like why (laughs) why are we doing this so much now yeah you know speaking of bad cgi not to go back but pope's exorcist had a lot of bad cgi (laughs) (laughs) and like unnecessary points like where the pope is spitting up blood like that did not need to be digitized at all. I don't remember that. <laughs> I do. I'll bet it looked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> not as good as the geyser melting these dinosaurs. Mm. <laughs> 53 was VHS, 85. Uh, mm. 52, we got Flamin' Hot, the yeah. Cheeto story. Uh-huh. Um, I think I just watched out of morbid curiosity to see what Eva Longoria directing a movie would look like. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, it's kind of disenchanting when you find out that the story is not real and this guy didn't actually invent flaming hot cheetos yeah (laughs) so right that kind of puts a hamper on things they were like trying to slip in with the trend this year of just making movies about products yeah a lot of product movies (laughs) product origins this is the lowest uh product movie that yeah that you rated at least that i watched yeah yeah i I didn't see all of them (laughs) but (laughs) this is the lowest 71 we got knock at the cabin Mm -hmm. m night Shyamalan. Pretty basic movie, straightforward, not a lot of thrills. Uh, I will say best Dave Bautista performance thus far. Okay, I I might check it out then. It was cool to see him get like top billing in something because as much as I like him, he's always kind of been a side character. So to see him take like a main role like this and be even better than anything I've seen him in since was really cool. I'm glad to hear that. I hope that he gets to keep doing stuff like that. Yeah, I think... Head and shoulders above the rest of the wrestlers turned actors Dude, at this point. That his his scene in uh, Blade Runner, I still think is yeah. like the best scene in in the movie, and and part of that is his acting, and part of it is just because that scene just fucking <laughs> rocks. But, He's great, man. Yeah, seventy. We got next goal wins. Oh um, yeah, yeah. There I finally I finally did get to see this Fastbender. Yeah, he's back. I. Which sucks because he's not great at comedy, or at least this mm-hmm. movie. I don't know if I could fully put it on him because this movie, like you've seen this a million times, like the underdog sports team that sucks gets a new coach and like he's a drill sergeant and they eventually meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Bad News Bears, Mighty Ducks, Hardball, like we've seen this movie a thousand times. Ted Lasso, but like right. inversion of the character, but still the same yeah. idea basically. And there's like the hope that, okay, well it's Taika Waititi. Yeah. He's got enough personality to make anything fun, but we were talking earlier about Napoleon Dynamite and this felt very much like that where it's like, <laughs> okay, the charm used to work, but he's just hitting the same notes and it's not having With the Taika? same effects. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, I think, I think you're catching up to how, like a lot of people feel about him at this point. Yeah, you know? which is a bummer. I think he's just yeah. stretched too thin, man. He's had like six I movies agree, and three TV think, shows. Yeah, but I, I think it's kind of like what <laughs> what we were saying earlier about Haunted Mansion or what Ben was joking about. Who's forcing him to take on all the work? You right, know? that's true. And like if he's taking on all the projects just to like 
make money and then just writing like lazy ass jokes yeah. to the point where like yeah i've been a little pissed off by some of the stuff that i've watched from him just because yeah. of how lazy it is it's so predictable at this yeah. point like and, he... or it's just a recycled joke that i heard when i was like five right. or something it's like dude you can't do that when you yeah. used to be like so good at this stuff you know like i just feel like he's gonna ruin his own value or like what people you know he could end up like a Shyamalan or something right if he doesn't like start making some good stuff again which I know he's perfectly capable of I was really into Jojo Rabbit I know that a lot of people were not into that movie but I I like that instinct in him to just be that bold with something yeah. versus doing the recycled jokes or something because you're you're spread too thin right that at least showed some growth and like taking some chances where this yeah. is just so predictable in every yeah. capacity, which is a bummer. So Too bad. 68. Did you, either of you guys watch Napoleon? I know we talked about it. No. I wanted to. Dude, I was bummed by this. They I heard it wasn't the best. Sold it as like this big IMAX experience with all these battle scenes. And like the whole <laughs> thing is just about how Napoleon's wife cucked him. <laughs> Holy shit. And that was it. What? That's yeah. it? I mean, there's like three battle scenes. The scenes in the trailer are the battle scenes in the movie. And I get like, you don't want to fetishize this guy as being this great heroic dude, yeah. but it was strange. And I love Joaquin Phoenix, but his choices here were so strange because obviously it's not true to history because no one is speaking French in this movie. Yeah. But everybody has this like old English affectation to how they're talking. And he's just talking like he's in any movie. And it's so yeah, yeah. <laughs> jarring. Now, I have a friend that is like a history buff and he just didn't really have anything good to say about the Napoleon stuff in this, no. in this movie. There was people laughing out loud in the movie, like at points when it was not intended at all. Like they're having this serious debate and he's just like out of nowhere in the most blunt voice. You think you're great because you have boats or like his wife sitting there discussing like dinner plans with somebody in this big elegant conversation. And he just walks up behind her and goes, why aren't you pregnant? <laughs> that got a big laugh in my theater. What? <laughs> that was a good one. The uh, audience in tomato. Both fucking hate it equally. Yeah. 58, 59. That doesn't happen often. Wow. No, it was not good. Uh, we got that one just above the flash. We got the flash down at 67. We've talked plenty about that. <laughs> not um, good, huh? No. Flash is not good. <laughs> Speaking of bad superhero stuff, we got the Marvels at 64. <laughs> just not great yeah they tried to make it like a team-up movie just to add some juice to captain marvel stock because people haven't been super into that character but their big team-up ability was that they could like transport with one another Mm -hmm. which didn't really add anything to their characters since captain marvel can fly so which is kind of (laughs) transport does it just it just creates a scenario where none of them get to play off each other because they're all just in different scenes we get to take turns yeah Yeah, good idea Like, oh, dude, Marvel, take a fucking break, dude. Take a nap. Yeah, like, take it, a break, dude. Too yeah, much. Too much. It's been too much for like years now. And they're very much pandering to specific audiences. Like you have Miss Marvel mm-hmm. in this movie. Kamala Khan. And she's great. Yeah. But like the first time you have like a Middle Eastern lead in one of these, they happen to go to a planet with this giant Bollywood number and this arranged marriage. And it's hmm. like, this is... 
a little cringy to shove yeah. this in this movie where it doesn't belong. Yeah, dude. Let Bollywood do that. Like, right. you don't need to try to do everything. You're not RRR. Get out of exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. But you know that's why they did it. Right. They were like, oh, that bo- that Netflix Bollywood. How have you not seen that, Ben? It was on Netflix. <laughs> RRR? Yeah. yeah. It's great. RRR? Yeah. That's really what it's called. Yeah. yeah. It's like the most insane three-hour action movie ever made. Yeah, it's dope. It looks and it's, like it's against a dude and a tiger. Yeah, the, yeah, he fire punches a tiger at one point. There's a huge dance number. It's insane. We oh can't be God. talking about this. Yeah, so. we're already... Sorry. Why not? <laughs> we got to keep on track. So that was gotta, last year's tears. Yeah. Nyad was 62. Saltburn was 61. That yeah. one's getting a lot of heat right now. Yeah. Saltburn. Saltburn is... My boy a, Barry Keegan letting it all hang out in more ways than one. Yeah. What'd you think of Saltburn? Well, it's sad, man, because... This movie might have actually, like, the most damage it really did is probably um, sour me on Barry Keegan. Really? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah man, he really goes for it. I kind of feel bad for him. He goes for it so hard. Uh, I, some people are not going to be able to look at Barry Keegan the same way after this movie. <laughs> no, uh, it's... And everyone's going to see what he did from the memes, like... <laughs> It's hard to tell which one you're even talking about because he's got a few. I'm not going to say. The whole thing is shock value. It is. It's just, it felt so empty. This is like a perfect companion piece for the idol. This felt the most similar to the idol of anything I saw this year. But to be honest, I was way more okay with watching Saltburn. Like it, it was like not a terrible hang you no. know i mean it's just really challenging it kind of like forces you to view like okay what am i even looking for when i watch a movie do you want to <laughs> see something you've never seen before that like makes a poignant message or do you want to enjoy yourself and just right. turn off your brain for two hours because yeah. i think like technically it's really well made i really like emerald fennel the writer director she did promising young woman before never this saw it. yeah which I is s- really good the visuals are really good here i'd like to see it yeah but yeah, I, I put more of it on her because I just feel like it's such an empty premise. Yeah. Like, I get the statement you're trying to make. There's been a million Eat the Rich movies lately. See, I don't get the pre- the, the statement, though. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a very clear statement whose side the movie is on. See, really. I thought it was just depicting how gross this guy is obsessed with status and wealth and everything he's willing to do for it. Yeah. And, you know, some of the scenes I thought were funny, but most of them I thought it's not worth watching this to get to that point that everybody already knows. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Saltburn was the worst or the best Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. So now we're into the mid. The middle tier is the cornflakes. Okay. Yeah. Perfectly average. If you yeah. want some flavor, you're going to get frosted flakes. Nobody just goes straight for cornflakes. But that's a good name for it, too, because yeah. if I open up the cupboard and all I've got is cornflakes, it's like, you know what? At least you're here. That's fine. Yeah. Right. It's serviceable. I'm not going to be hungry, but I'm not also going to be, like, super stoked. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, 59, we got old Rebel Moon. Mm. Zack Snyder came back. How did this make it into this category, <laughs> Ryan? I had a feeling you were going to hate this a lot more than I did. <laughs> I think I'm just, like, the bar has been so lowered for Zack Snyder that I'm just like, yeah. all right, this is competent. <laughs> I mean, I think it is very brave of him to say, like, no, Disney, no, George Lucas. Like, I can also make a bad Star Wars movie. (laughs) I mean, shot for shot, that cantina. Wow. That was was bold. That was the one that really broke me. But, like, I was not enjoying any of it. Yeah. Is this AI-generated Star Wars? It (laughs) seems like it. No, you know, I think a good way to think about it is almost like... I think what he did was go, 
okay, so George Lucas-based Jedi on samurai. Well, what if I just had samurai in my movie? Right. And the Empire was based on on Nazis. <laughs> what if I just have real Nazis? <laughs> and like, yeah. that's that's a lot of the movie. Plus, it's just like the worst team-building movie I've ever seen, dude. Like, it's like this whole second half of the movie's team-building. That's yeah. the whole thing. And I don't care about any of those people at all. It looks good, though. You go to a gladiator world, and like, there's no gladiator fight it's like mortal (laughs) combat all over again yeah for sure (laughs) and um i like sophia batella oh yeah but i don't really find her incredibly compelling like not enough to lead a a series yeah and the scenes of her and the farmer guy would like every once in a while she'd just stroll into his like bed chambers and be like hey did you down to hear like uh, a little more of my backstory (laughs) right (laughs) It's origin time. Saddle up. So fucking bad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I wish that, like, because I'm laughing about it a lot right now and enjoying making fun of it, but I really didn't have a fun time watching it. <laughs> I wish I wish I felt like I did right now when I was watching it, but no. It was a good, like, empty watch. Like, they, I'm surprised <sighs> just how good. It wasn't good anything, Ryan. <laughs> I'm surprised how good, like, we talked about all these movies with terrible CGI. How does Mm -hmm. this movie made for Netflix look so much better than The Flash or, like, any of these major studio movies? That's fair. And I really liked Anthony Hopkins' Flower Crown Robot. I hope he shows back up. He was cool. Oh, my gosh. What was that character? <laughs> I did hear this is this sounds like a joke, but it's true that our, <laughs> Zack Snyder's already made an R-rated three-hour Snyder cut of this movie that's going to come out before part two this spring. So, which makes no sense. Yeah, like <laughs> that's it, just his thing. He's going to make Snyder cuts for everything now, right? But like, it implies that they wouldn't let him have final say on right. the movie. <laughs> Like, like, it's pretty clearly letting him do whatever he wants. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we got? 58. We got Wonka, which mm. uh, I did end up going to see. Okay. Date night movie. Nice. How was it? I realize how much I don't care about Wonka. Like, I want yeah. the factory. Like, Wonka okay. isn't cool without the factory. So it was an so origin story. It was an origin story. It's made by the guy who made the Paddington movies. Okay. Which are like. Those are supposed to be good. Very good. The first two Paddington movies are really good. And if I had to think of like somebody that could match like Willy Wonka imagination, that would be the dude to plug in. But yeah, I don't, it just didn't fully work for me. Timothy Chalamet is like Mm -hmm. a really good dramatic actor, but I don't think he pulled off like the big personality of leading like a comedy like this very well. Yeah, he's a little too uh, understated. Yeah. I think he, yeah, he didn't really sell that very well. And then the music wasn't very good. Oh, no. So, yeah. And the whole thing was, like, supposed to be a music. And the only song I remember from it was when they finally did uh, World of Pure Imagination from the original movie. Yeah, so, right. I mean, it was fine. There are worse kids' movies out there, but yeah, wasn't anything to write home about. Uh, 56, we got Ant-Man. Oof. Anything Just to say about that? Huge, huge whiff. Pour one no. out for Corey Stoll and how they... Oh, <laughs> the new Ant-Man's that bad. Stretched his face out. <laughs> this, for me, this is my least favorite Marvel, This I is where say. Marvel, like, turned the corner, right? This is where everybody gave up on them. Uh, yeah, I would say it's where, like, the general public gave up on Marvel. Yeah. And it's, to me, not too dissimilar from the mistakes they've been making with a lot of their stuff. It just felt like the the whole movie was nothing but 
just the bad tendencies that they have at this point, like plot contrivances, my least favorite plot contrivance, which is just a character not telling her allies what like important information, just withholding information for (laughs) no, no reason at all. It's also just like a really bland sci-fi setting, you know? Yeah. Like I don't understand what makes the quantum verse different from like the settings in like the Thor movies or like, um, Very Star Wars prequel vibes with all the CGI environments. For sure. For sure, yeah. 54, we got Ninja Turtles. We talked about that. I yeah. think I've liked it even less the more I thought about just how heavy-handed they were with all the hip-hop references uh-huh. and stuff. And Yeah, wasn't I, a fan of that. But. I will say I'm pretty sure that Trent Reznor didn't rip off Horse the Band. No. I listened to that Horse the Band thing, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, they used a synthesizer. <laughs> That's the they, they used instruments. There's the crossover. That might have been a reach. Uh, 53, we got Last Voyage of the Demeter. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see this. Wasn't bad. Yeah? Perfectly mid. Uh, it's got a good cast. It's kind of like uh, The Thing, but with a vampire on a boat and not really very suspenseful but yeah i heard it shows its hand like pretty quickly yeah so, so. that that was kind of what what held me off but um i like i think he might be the main dude in it liam liam cunningham yeah yeah he was great i really yeah. liked him i hadn't seen him in anything before he was a uh like a fan favorite on game of thrones oh okay he's like one of the I wouldn't say minor character but not like a main character yeah he's great then we got tetris which was surprisingly not bad which mm-hmm. i thought how do you make a movie about tetris but if you turn taron egerton into video game jordan belfort i mean dude i think if you just get taron egerton like that's a lot of the work done yeah. right there i think this guy is just one of the most underrated people working in hollywood right now for like, sure I, I really like seeing him and i think he he holds the movie together for the most part but Man, there's like 10 too many scenes in that same interrogation room uh, over in Russia. You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of the more action-y stuff that it ends up with just felt very forced. Like (laughs) you're reminding yourself like, wait, this is a movie about Tetris? (laughs) Right. It turns into like a heist movie in the last 30 minutes or so. Yeah. I mean, I know it was some high-stakes stuff going on for some of the people involved, but... uh, yeah, no, it just went off the the rails slightly for me by the end, but I, I enjoyed my time with it. Yeah, they did a good job turning this into something much better than it could have been. Yeah. I think the editing, the directing, uh, the composer, Lauren Balfi, I thought did a really good job. He also did the uh, Dungeons & Dragons score, which I thought he okay, did a good cool. job with. So. I agree with that, yeah. He was a cool guy that popped up as far as composers nice. are concerned this year. That's great. 51, we got The Killer, old. David Fincher's back. Yeah, and Fastbender Strike Two. Yeah, <laughs> this one's not quite a strike. No, no, yeah. it was. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, did you guys ever grow up with any kids who would like not outright bribe you to hang out with them, but like kind of like, hey, if you come over, my parents will go spend money on us to do this thing, or like mm. buy you movie tickets, or take you to a concert, or we'll go to the mall. Sounds like something I would probably have done if I was a kid. <laughs> I feel like that's what the relationship is between Netflix and David Fincher. Like, come on. We just need your content. We'll give you whatever you want. Please just hang out with us. Make some stuff. Do whatever you want. We need your name. That's like the amount of commitment it feels like we're getting from David Fincher. Like, yeah. fine. Okay. I'll gotcha. come over. I'll 
make some movies if you want, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hang out with Michael Fassbender for a month. Yeah. Could be worse. <laughs> the thing is, some people are just really fawning over this film. Yeah. I don't, I think it's just Fincher fanboys. Yes. Because I, I was just surprised, you know. I would think if I was a fan of, of him, I would want him to be performing at a little, uh, higher efficiency rate yeah or something. There's, there's not a lot of substance here other than watching him like try and convince himself he's this well-oiled machine and just making mistakes all the time yeah <laughs> which and i've I, heard some people say like this is david fincher's comedy film which right okay but it's still not that funny <laughs> no no i i know some people were so into the narration yeah and just the juxtaposition of that with like what he's doing but and i get it i get that that's what the movie is but yeah i did just didn't find at any point that that was actually like doing much for me that's the most patronizing explanation i hate when people like you just didn't get it it's like no it's not hard to see what it is i just don't like it yeah (laughs) i cannot like it and understand it those things aren't mutually exclusive no i don't know though (laughs) i was thinking about that though what if we just didn't get Fool's Paradise, you know? <laughs> Maybe we didn't. What that's if that's the thing? the thing? What if, like, there's just a very select number of people that are like, yeah, I totally understand why this movie rocks. Yeah. The quantum verse <laughs> went straight over my head. I did not right. get what Marvel was trying to do. The layers. <laughs> it's very nuanced. Mm. Uh, 50. We got old Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Old Indiana Jones. Yeah. Very literally. Um, <laughs> but... I think uh, as far as that stuff goes, I was really worried by the commercials that he was going to be like running all over the place. And yeah, luckily, I, I just don't think this movie's doing a whole lot of that. It's still not what I want from an Indiana Jones movie. It's not that I like have a ton of expectations, but I would think you could at least not be like weighed down by the legacy of of. Shiloh Booth uh, in the movie that came before. Dude, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Did you have a problem with that as well? Because I felt like the whole thing they did to, like, write, write the backstory of, like, him getting killed in Let's, Vietnam and, yeah. like, breaking up Indy and Marion, it just puts this, like, shadow over the whole thing for me. Where I'm like, there's just this, this like, grimness that I didn't need in this movie at all. Yeah, I I don't know. When I was watching it, I think I forgot that he actually was his son. <laughs> so like when he was talking about losing his son, I was like, oh, Indy had a kid, huh? <laughs> like, oh no, I, I knew that. I just probably conveniently subconsciously Locked filed it, it away forever. Yeah. But I didn't hate Crystal Skull. I didn't like the alien stuff, but I thought it was a decent movie. Yeah. This, I, I didn't find a whole lot redeemable about. Yeah. The the action scenes were kind of cool, the way they set them up. Like, it was a lot more believable than I thought 80-year-old Indiana Jones was going to be. But yeah, that's a good way to put it. At the end of the day, I was kind of like, why don't you guys just make a video game? Doesn't LucasArts yeah. make video games? Just do that if you're going to make these giant CGI chase scenes. Yeah, well, Naughty Dog already beat them to it. I don't think they're going <laughs> to... Well, Naughty Dog, I think, like, retired the Nathan Drake character, right? If they're going to make Uncharted movies, why don't you pivot and make Indiana Jones video games? They can try. I just, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, don't have much faith. That's a high bar to meet. Definitely. So, yeah, what do we got? Across the Spider-Verse at 47. There we go. I just, this has been, like, lauded as the best 
animated movie of all time and the best sequel. I just did not get into it at all. Hmm. It just took way too long to set up. And then Oscar Isaac shows up to Spider-Mansplain the whole plot of the movie. And then Hmm. it's like, well, we'll deal with the villain in part two. Yeah. I this is a situation where I I can't deny that like I I always want to push back on your your like part one and part two thing yeah but I can't hear it, yeah it definitely feels like half a movie I do think the animation is pretty incredible but oh, I'm yeah. conflicted with it because there was <laughs> the, stuff about you know how the animators were very overworked during this production which isn't great yeah and also for real I feel like it's too much. It's I mean, two and a half hours for I, part one of an animated Spider-Man movie. <laughs> well, and it's just so packed. It's so yeah. dense. I watched it twice, and I probably got a third of the jokes in yeah. the movie. And I don't think that's a good thing. No. Like, I, I am all for really wall-to-wall funny stuff, but this is just like definitely a point of, of too much for me. I, I'm not a slouch with animation. Like I'll watch some, some pretty wild stuff, but yeah. like... Yeah, dude. I, I I wanted it to slow down and and just cut like I don't know ten percent of of what's going on, not even lengthwise, but just like within the movie, just like yeah. clean this up a little bit. It's a lot. Well, it took him like ninety minutes just to get to the Spider Verse. Like, there's the so much exposition. Is a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it it feels uneven in that way because the stuff I'm talking about is much more. There's just this like middle and end section of the movie that's just like a sensory overload whereas the yeah the beginning feels like quite tame and yeah. almost boring so it's fine like it's decent but... it was a good movie for me yeah. it, it wasn't mid but but i get it at the yeah. same time especially if you don't like first parts of things yeah. so we got sisu, sisu. At 46. yeah oh. an interesting movie yeah i really like the director like it was really just oozing with style. Yeah, I thought the whole concept was really cool. There's just like some pretty unforgettable scenes in this movie. Yeah. And uh as someone that really liked the the revenant, yeah. and the whole concept <laughs> of what a revenant is, basically yeah. just this person that is undead but like won't completely die until they complete their <laughs> their mission there's definitely a lot of that in this movie and yeah uh yeah i think the only thing that kept it from being good was that it seemed like the lead had trouble with some of the action sequences like really selling that i would agree with that yeah other than that yeah pretty decent yeah 44 we got dungeons and dragons (laughs) what did you make of this max you're the expert in this i mean area yeah i i still I like the characters in this movie. I think it hits the right tone. Mm-hmm. I like that they actually do D and D specific stuff. It doesn't just feel like like a generic fantasy movie. Yeah, there's creatures that are straight out of the Dungeons and Dragons monster manual, and like I don't know, even some of the magic items and stuff might have been that. But it felt a little too. I don't know, maybe too beholden to that stuff in some ways. There's a really long sequence with a character like trying to attune to a magic item so that they can use it. Even as a, a D&D person, I was like getting very bored with that. And yeah, I think they do like almost like a riddle of the Sphinx kind of scenario also. And at a certain point, stuff just started feeling a bit like gimmicky. Yeah. And I just, I think it's a problem 
to not have the duality of players sitting at a table and like cutting from that to like those people oh, yeah. being the characters. That's how I would make a D&D movie. And yeah. I think it's kind of weird to do it any other way, honestly, because it just misses so much of what the game is. What you makes know? it kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, because you're in reality, you're just sitting at a table with your friends like bullshitting, right. you know? <laughs> like include yeah. that in the in the story. That would be fun. Yeah. No, this definitely had a good sense of humor. I like Chris Pine. He doesn't yeah. lead enough stuff in my opinion, but Michelle Rodriguez yeah. also just kicking ass. Like yeah. she was so fun to watch as, as much humor as there is. I feel like that kind of, I don't know, fourth wall breaking of like not taking this so seriously probably would have been a good idea. Yeah. Even just that, I think a little more playing around with the yeah. meta aspects would have been cool. 40. We got dumb money. The, uh, game stop meme stock story yeah i liked this one i wanted to see that i like yeah i think you would like it um i like this one a bit more than than where it's rated yeah i would say a lot of people in this paul dano is the only person i care about well and uh shailene woodley i was gonna say there's a ton of people what do you mean who else america ferrera nick offerman seth rogan sebastian stan they're all yeah but they're not... Dane DeHaan. They don't do much, but they're in it. <laughs> yeah, it, but that stuff is so... You know what I mean. Yeah. That stuff is so disconnected. That yeah. whole device, I don't think, worked very yeah. well. Even Pete Davidson didn't really feel like... <laughs> I don't ever give a shit about Pete Davidson. Um, ever. Ever. But, yeah, dude, I um, I love Paul Dano. And I love Shailene Woodley a lot, too. And, like, yeah. they were compelling as characters, as a couple. Yeah. I thought that like the Seth Rogen character was interesting too because you just don't get to see that too yeah, often. He's playing something a little different. Yeah, well, it was interesting for him and also just interesting to like see what I think is like probably a fairly realistic depiction of of what a person like that could be like. Yeah, they as don't, opposed to just like cartoonish. Right. You know? They don't turn him into like a cartoon villain. Yeah. He's a little more grounded. Yeah. I don't know. I think the reason I had it as mid is I would just. It felt like they were just rushing to be the first person to make a movie out of this story. Whereas, like, I wanted a little more depth. I wanted a little more context. Like, yeah. they don't even get the end of the lawsuit in this movie. Dude, it's it's becoming so gross. There's, like, the yeah. <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing is on Netflix now. Like, oh who the fuck? Right. What? what? Just rushed to make a movie out of anything. Yeah. It's nutty. 36, we got Talk to Me, which was, like, the big indie horror breakout of the year yeah somebody did a possession movie well other than the pope's exorcist and yeah man exorcist I, believer i like this movie quite a bit yeah. this, is, this is way higher for me like way uh, higher yeah, yeah absolutely man there was a lot of hype around it but it still like lived up to yeah. the hype it was one of those rare situations i haven't seen this sophie wilde actor before but she was great she yeah was, yeah she was really good i think these guys were a all... lot of good young actors Australian actors Miranda Otto who plays the mother just fiercely sniffing out the party it's oh, yeah. like <laughs> hatching in her house yeah she was so good I don't know her from anything but um Return of the King which is the third Lord of the Rings movie I haven't oh, seen gotcha. her since then yeah but uh it was really nice seeing Miranda Otto again <laughs> like I think she did pretty pretty great for like how little screen time she has yeah but yeah definitely like captured the scariness of like being young and dumb yeah and like i think a lot of people would point to this and be like oh look how 
dumb Gen Z is. It's like, dude, everyone's dumb when we're that age. Like, I don't think we need to really put yeah. a generation on it. I don't <laughs> think there's anything too generationally specific about it. Every every generation has their drugs, you know? Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it can be an allegory for drugs, yeah. cell phones. It's basically just attention-seeking at a young age, whether it's at a party or See, just... See, I viewed it almost as... To me, it was like the strongest analogy would be to like uh, mental health or like depression and then dealing with that through drugs. Yeah. Um, And the movie reminded me of It Follows, which I loved. Yeah. But I think I like this even more because that that metaphor, that analogy like holds up throughout the movie. Whereas if you really think about It Follows like (laughs) at all, it doesn't. Like yeah. it's it makes sense for a second and then it doesn't right. still love that movie but like yeah. yeah talk to me is dope and uh i'm stoked to see like these um i think these are like i don't i don't think these filmmakers have done a whole lot but i'm definitely rooting for them to do more yeah so should be interesting i think that was one of our higher horror there wasn't a lot of good horror no. this year after like the big horror resurgence we've had yeah there's there's not a, a lot, lot of big crummy ones this horror year. yeah 34 we got bottoms bottoms i wanted to like this more than i did but like <laughs> they just couldn't settle on a storyline like they wanted uh, to do the fight club thing and then they wanted to do the rom-com thing and it was just it was all over the place hmm. yeah I don't, know. I, I don't know i didn't care yeah yeah i liked it it's just interesting like at first i was just like oh here's super bad round three right. as far as like what i can tell <laughs> and it was a lot more than that for me yeah because yeah, the main characters are kind of would fit like just drop them into super bad and they work, but the rest of the cast and like the movie around them is just so much like dumber and uh, <laughs> right. just a just a tone of of that I enjoyed. So like I said, it was it was fine. Yeah, it just wasn't like as good as I hoped it would be. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty three. We got Sofia Coppola's Priscilla movie. Focusing on Priscilla Presley's story, which mm-hmm. I had hoped would be a little bit more about her, and like, but she's pretty static throughout this whole movie. It's interesting, but um, yeah, could have been a little better. And then poor uh, Jacob Elordi from Euphoria yeah. has to play Elvis in the wake of last year's Elvis. Oh no! And that he's just not good as Elvis. He's That's no, very distracting. He's no Austin Butler. No, not at all. And spoiler alert: down the line, we'll talk about air on the list and their Mm. choice not to have someone trying to encapsulate (laughs) Michael Jordan. And this is the reason why you don't have somebody try and do an impression of a personality that big because him trying to do Elvis in this movie was just distracting. Okay. So foreshadowing, we'll get to that one. All right. So that, that's all the mid movies. Those are all of our cornflakes, the good, but not great. We had a lot of good movies this year. So these, perfectly fine, but not necessarily like first choice, Hall of Fame, gold medalists. These are the Tony Romos. He had a good career. Yeah, I don't he's know fine. who that is. Ben's grimacing right now because he's a Cowboys fan. Yeah, Tony Romo's <laughs> great. He had 500 yard games. How many playoff wins do you have? He had, how, how, he had back surgery. <laughs> he had fucking back surgery. <laughs> he did. He had back surgery, playoff wins. <laughs> he had back surgery. He's fucking hurt. <laughs> Exactly. That's a lot of people go into the Hall of Fame for back surgery. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. He's going to go to Hall of Fame as a commentator, Ryan. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's 32. Uh, American Fiction. 
It was pretty good. That was uh, Jeffrey Wright, wasn't it? Yeah, Jeffrey Wright was in that. Uh, it's like a modern adaptation of Percival Everett's book, which is kind of talks about like liberal racism and everybody mm. looking to this guy to write like a novel about the black experience. Yeah. And so he makes up this story about like a gangbanger <laughs> and it sells really well. Uh. And he's like, frustrated because he did it like just out of spite right right. because nobody will buy the book he wants to write interesting so it's really interesting it's got a really good cast um tracy ellis ross jeffrey wright sterling k brown but i i wish it focused a little more on that because there's not a lot of movies that tackle race in like a funny way yeah (laughs) because it can be a funny topic it doesn't always need to be super solemn right but like it gets really sidetracked into like his mom's going through like dementia and stuff like that. And it's oh. like, I don't really care as much about that story as much as focusing on this other stuff, but it was good. It's like the lowest of the good. 31, we got Ferrari, old Adam driver teaming up with Michael Mann. I didn't really care much about Ferrari's story, but him and uh, Penelope Cruz are really good acting in this movie. So okay, cool. that kind of sold it for me. And yeah. Michael Mann just directing anything was good to see again. Yeah, cause for sure. He did a really good job directing the race scenes in this. That was cool to see. Nice. 29, we got Scream 6. I finally bought into the Scream franchise six oh, movies yeah? in. This was the one I liked. Nice. <laughs> You've seen them all? I have. Okay. And they like blew up the franchise. I don't know if you've heard the behind the scenes stuff. No. They got new writers and a new writer and director for Scream 7 that was going to come out next year. But Jenna Ortega has dropped out of the sequel. Uh, Melissa Barrera was fired from the sequel and the director quit. So this is probably the last good Scream movie we're going to get for a while. Oof. Wow. But yeah, it was just like a good basic horror movie instead of doing like all the dumb meta commentary about horror movies. Where yeah. It tries to be more clever than it is. So mm, okay. I enjoyed it. 28, we got No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, right. Awkward millennial sex comedy. Yeah. Super good. Surprisingly heartfelt, yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that she made this movie. Um, I'm glad that there's still like an audience for dumb movies like this. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it felt like there was an attempt to make like an R-rated comedy resurgence this year. And this was like the one that kind of felt like a success because it didn't go totally unnoticed. I feel like it's just, to me, goes along with the resurgence of like sex in movies again in general, yeah. which has been pretty hit or miss. But I'm glad that people are trying, you yeah. know, I'm down with some sex in <laughs> movies. <laughs> Well, and this one like was like a smart depiction of it in a way that yeah. hasn't really been done in like the teen sex comedy, yeah. especially in like a more modernized setting. Like you said, people keep trying to remake Superbad or whatever, and it's just like that. Right. That premise doesn't necessarily work in today's yeah. environment, and this no, is kind of a no. fun spin on it. And even in Bottoms, I'd say it doesn't totally work. And it, there's a lot of that movie where you're like, you guys are so shitty. Yeah. I don't know if I want to like root for you at all. Right. Uh, yeah. No. This, like you said, a bit more heartfelt. Yeah. Like it's like taking those kind of '90s and 2000s. Uh, sex comedies, but definitely with a lighter spin on it, but also more extreme spin at times with like the nudity and everything. That was pretty funny. Yeah, so. that was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> um, twenty six. We got Guardians. Yeah, the one redeeming film in Marvel's current phase. That's I would amazing. say. Yeah. 
from the director over at DC, right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy they fired. <laughs> His last go around with Marvel. Right. Pretty decent. I really liked Rocket Raccoon's story. I yeah. think that was the biggest redeeming factor. It was really cool. Decentralizing yeah. Star-Lord was a good move. I, I still like watching Chris Pratt, but like it's an ensemble thing. It always has been. Like It doesn't need to be him getting the most screen time every movie. So Well, and they just bungled the whole relationship with Gamora to the point where it's like, you can't just focus on them anymore. They're not Bung- the crux of this. You mean bungled by like what happened with her getting like killed off and everything? Yeah, it just yeah. seems like that. Marvel took his toys out of the toy box and he's like, oh fuck, now what do I do with yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's probably what happened is is that he didn't really have much say in how yeah. that happened, so... I think he did the best he could with with those characters. That yeah. that arc is a little not as good as the rest of it, but I think it's good that he didn't just like totally cop out or something. Yeah, so. this this felt like a fitting conclusion. It didn't yeah. feel like he's like, okay, I'm done with you guys. This gave everyone a pretty fitting end to their stories for sure. And didn't it wasn't just like a victory lap or a bunch of callbacks either. Yeah, which is yeah nice for sure. So. 25, we got the Beanie Bubble, another product yeah. movie. I'm surprised yeah. turned out this well. I was going into this just planning on not liking it at all. <laughs> or, I mean, just thinking I wouldn't like it at all. Yeah. And I think the entire movie, my wife just kept going, that's not Zach Galifianakis. That can't be Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty unrecognizable without the beard. But he did a good job. He was great. My favorite thing about this was that most of these product movies are just like, idolizing these guys that start these companies as like these flawless visionaries. And this dude is just so clearlessly a man child who wants to play with his toys. And (laughs) once the people that built this company leave him, he's just helpless. What movie is this? The Beanie Bubble. It's about Beanie Babies and the guy that got rich off of that. But yeah, I mean, he's just has this like sleaze about him the whole time even though the character is trying to hide it like you can just tell and you can feel it coming part of it is because like yeah they have these like testimonials sort of from some (laughs) of the the characters the three main women uh, in the story I think it's a great role for uh, Zach Galifianakis he does a good job at at playing this this weird guy so I enjoyed it way more than I expected to Definitely definitely one of my favorite product movies of the year. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. So you said previously that 2023 was a bad year for sci-fi. How did you feel about the creator? <laughs> oh, how did I feel about the creator? <laughs> Better than Rebel Moon, right? Well, no. What wasn't? Oh, no. No, because I had like higher expectations for this movie. I knew Rebel Moon would be bad. Yeah. But... This is one of my guys, dude. Gareth Edwards. Yeah. Like, I'm the only person that likes Godzilla 2014. Uh, I like the last, like, eight minutes of it. (laughs) You only watched it because it cringed. I did. I did. Yeah, dude. That movie, Rogue One, I don't know what else he's done, but I like his use of, like, scale in sci-fi. Like, I've said this before, but no one makes shit look as big as it should uh, other than Gareth Edwards. Like, I love... He just has a talent for that. But I think he's just, again, kind of like Zack Snyder. He's, like, better as a visual person. Yeah. And his writing is horrible, dude. Like, <laughs> I think the writing in this movie is so bad. Really? Yes. It is the most generic bullshit. I thought um, he did good with, like, the large-scale world building here. It's just the details in the story that took you out of it. 
even visually, I didn't think it was that that cool. Really? I thought okay. the cool like big laser that yeah. they show of like the the big blue beam like scanning the ground mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Some more stuff like that would have been cool. But so much of the visual design is just taking like Eastern culture and and turning it into sci-fi, which I know is kind of like a cyberpunk thing. Yeah. Just putting a robot in a kimono isn't enough to get me <laughs> yeah. like, interested in your world. It just, it's so hollow. It feels like this movie went out and got like tattoos of like Japanese and, and Chinese like uh, letters, yeah. you know, as a certain type of person does. That's a, <laughs> This movie felt like that person in human form. Definitely not number 24 for you. <laughs> no, dude, this is so low for yeah. me. Like I will never, and, and I was so bummed because I was like, you know, I love good visually stunning sci-fi movies that I can rewatch. Yeah. And I thought this movie would be that. Mm-hmm. I was like almost going to blind buy it. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I just can't, every plot beat felt perfunctory to me. And like something you've seen at least a hundred times. Every joke feels like an action movie cliche that you've heard before. There's nothing original in this movie. So yeah, that that's my gripe with sci-fi right now, dude. (laughs) Scavenger's Reign is is the the only only thing doing it for me. So fuck this movie. (laughs) The best way I could describe it is just like, this isn't like a redeeming quality at all, but I don't know if you remember the movie that Neil Blomkamp made after District 9 called Elysium. I never watched that. Where, yeah, like it spends so much time just creating this environment and the story is just such an afterthought. Like it's just this yeah. really pretty video game that has a terrible story. And yeah. I'm okay with that. In this instant, at least I am. Yeah. 23, we got Super Mario Brothers. Oh, God. Again, it's another <laughs> what are you easy, doing? empty watch. You hated this movie <laughs> that much. section of the list. You hated I thought it was movies. good. I didn't think it was bad. Like, what? You really think there needs to be, like, a deep dive into the origin of where the Mushroom Kingdom came from? When and did like, I ever say that? I don't know. Or just, give the impression that that's what I wanted this movie to I be. I just think this is, like, Mario is just, like, a big, bright, goofy cartoon with fun characters and that's what this movie was i mean yeah but like we're adults dude i know (laughs) you don't have to like it just because it was financially successful like doesn't mean that you can't like criticize it for being artistically hollow that's usually incentive for me to hate something but i still like this regardless (laughs) but i feel like you were saying that was your thing is you were saying like but it worked it worked on me i guess i don't know that i mean it worked on a larger scale yeah I don't know that I'm looking for something packing huge substance in a Mario movie. I'm not saying it has to do a ton, but this movie felt like the parts of The Force Awakens where characters are just holding like Star Wars objects up to the screen, but like a full runtime. <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Just, hey, carts. Yeah. Why? Rainbow Road. We don't dude. know. <laughs> we didn't think about that. <laughs> It's fair, I guess. It worked <laughs> for me. <laughs> Did you like the like 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie? No. Are you a defender of that? I, I've mean, I like that more than this. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, the only part... You like that more than this? Yeah, sure. It was yeah, trying sure. something. Like it's trying something. <laughs> it had ambition. <laughs> it's definitely ambitious. <laughs> no, that movie's obviously a fucking mess. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, no, I like Jack Black in this one. Yeah. What's the little uh, nihilistic star guy? Luma Lee? Yeah, that was great. 
Was it's it? It's like the cutest little voice just saying like the most depressing thing you've ever heard. I don't yeah. remember that. That was great. That was my favorite character. I don't remember that. <laughs> we got, they cloned Tyrone at 22. Hell yeah. We talked about talking about that on the show, but we never did. Did we? Did you end up watching it, Ben? No. No? They oh, really? Tyrone. I thought you did. Yeah, I thought we all talked about it, but. Yeah. You fucking told me you watched it. What the <laughs> hell? I fucking did it. It's yeah, a Netflix did. movie. <laughs> They cloned Tyrone? Jamie Foxx. I probably uh, said I want to watch John it. John Boyega, yeah. It looks cool. I like yeah. it a lot. I it's like it a lot. This is a good sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, like it's a mild sci-fi, which is kind of maybe becoming more of my thing. Yeah. Um, I liked like the creepy vibe that it had going on. It feels kind of like sorry to bother you, but yeah. meets something a bit more grim and serious. Mm-hmm. Uh the performances are, are like really funny. Like I feel like it. The performances turn it into more of a comedy, especially Jamie Fox. Yeah, who I just haven't liked this much in a while. Yeah, I kind of forgot how good he is, but yeah. uh, man, he just has some killer lines. Like yeah. uh, John Boyega comes over. And he's like, man, how long has it been since you showered? And Jamie Foxx just says, plead the fifth. And like his, you know, smooth Jamie Foxx voice. voice, It's Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I love him. Uh, And I love John Boyega, too. I I like that he's he's obviously attracted to sci-fi projects. You know, he started with Attack the Block and then went to Star Wars. And now he's back to kind of something like that reminded me of attack the block a little bit just a more like down-to-earth sci-fi so yeah i was definitely into this one i think the humor really elevated this for me because i think there are times where i'm like okay this is like a jordan peele clone type thing where some of the sci-fi stuff just lined up a little too clean but Mm -hmm. the chemistry between those three and the humor (laughs) was just too much to like you you can't not like this this is great yep (laughs) Uh, 21, we got When Evil Lurks yep. from Argentinian horror movie. There were a few plot holes here and there, like it wasn't mm-hmm. seamless, but some really gruesome, shocking stuff going on in yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is saying something considering how many horror movies have come out and tried to push the envelope. This mm-hmm. still had a few moments where I was like, oh shit, I did not see that coming <laughs> at all. I wish it lived up to that hype for me. Yeah. Uh, from the beginning, I thought I was really going to dig it yeah like the scene with the axe early on oh yeah yeah i was like holy shit yeah yeah. (laughs) here we go but by the last scene the last shot yeah i was like kind of laughing a little bit just numb to it yeah yeah Yeah, by the end it had just lost the wind in its sails and i don't know what did that for me because i really wanted to like it i was really into the vibe going in yeah, and it kind of teetered back and forth. Like at first it was going to be just this chaos and it's not going to explain what's going on. You're just thrown into this situation and you got to figure it out. Which is cool. I love just, yeah. yeah. But then they just did big exposition dumps and it's like, well, yeah. that doesn't really all line up, but I don't know. Yeah, It still had enough going for it it's that a I good enjoyed movie. it. But yeah, it's yeah. a dope movie. 20, we got 1,001. The, oh, uh, man. Is that too low? I know you like this one quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, this is like... I'm fine with whatever, yeah. but might be my favorite of the year. Yeah. Um, if I'm being serious with myself, like not something I'm going to like revisit. It's, it's kind of a tough hang, Yeah. but it's the most impactful yeah. for me this year. It just kind of like talked about some stuff that is either 
like on my mind or has been on my mind in like recent years just about like the foster care system and we we talked about how I used to work in a school and yeah that was like my first real exposure to the real some of the realities of the foster care system which are pretty upsetting um this movie is also dealing with like gentrification in New York which I think is an interesting subject and yeah Having those two subjects play off each other and kind that of alone, the hypocrisy there was but great. But then also at the center of it, you have this like story about parenthood and legitimacy. And then yeah. by the end, it's like completely subverted that idea. And it just gets you to think so hard about that stuff. Tayana Taylor was great. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything Dude. before this. She was so good. She was great. Yeah. A.V. Rockwell, this is her first movie, writing and directing. Okay. It's really yeah. strong debut. Yeah. yeah. Going to be keeping an eye out for all these people. For sure. That was really good. So that was 20. 19, we got The Covenant. Mm. Ben and I talked about this movie. Ben, yes. wake up. You're here. Oh, shit. <laughs> ben saw that one? Ben saw this one. Super good. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Soundtrack's sick, too. Yeah, it did have a good soundtrack. Uh-huh. I was surprised. I thought this was going to be like a dumb Iraqi propaganda movie. but Nope. It was actually really well done and kind of like focuses more on like the human element of warfare more than a lot of modern war movies do. You said it kind of focuses on uh, journalists or? No, it's a local interpreter. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Forms this relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal as he's out deployed in Afghanistan. And, Dude uh, saves Jake's life pretty yeah. much. The U.S. allegedly left like hundreds if not like a thousand of covenants over there after they promised they'd bring him back to the U.S. for their service. Mm. So... That's yeah. really interesting. Just kind of yeah. shines a light on an aspect of warfare that you don't necessarily think about and the collateral damage left behind. So yeah. I thought that was really cool, really enlightening. 18, I got Thanksgiving. I think that's my highest rated horror movie. <laughs> I don't know why everybody turned to hate Eli Roth. Is it just because he's buddies with Tarantino? It seems like oh. he's fallen really out of favor with people. Really? Yeah, but huh. I've... I loved Cabin Fever. That was, I, I don't he know what it Cabin was. Cabin Fever? Yeah, that was his first movie. And that, that ever since then, I'm just like, I like this dude. I want to I mean, see what that, he does. That rocked. But here's the thing. I always had this impression that Eli Roth was like pretty extreme horror or like grotesque. Well, he and followed like, up Cabin Fever with Hostel. So. See, there you go. That'll do see, it. That's where you went wrong, bud. <laughs> yeah. I know that that's like a certain group of people is down with that. Yeah. Um, but those those people are out of their minds. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> I've I never like, seen Hostel. I really, just, I, dude, I never will. No. I never. I have no desire to watch torture. I get like that. a movie that's just like, yeah, this is a bunch of torture. But like, it's not no. just torture. Like, there's a story about like gross rich dudes paying to torture people. I don't know. I got the idea from you telling me there's, just now. Yeah, there's like, a I'm little good. more depth to it. You're talking about Hostel. Yeah, no, yeah. I I don't mean to say because. I never got the impression that it didn't have artistic integrity and okay. wasn't trying to say something. I just, I'm not down for mostly torture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just fine, as fine. A... <laughs> Torture's bad, Max. You got me. Okay. <laughs> oh man, my hot take. <laughs> Whatever. Max is definitely in the minority here. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know what's wrong with me, you guys. No. Thanksgiving though, it's just like a dumb slasher movie trying to play on like, I don't know, kind of like a My Bloody Valentine type architect of a holiday killer. Oh, okay. And it's like doing like a 90s whodunit angle. I don't know. It, mm. it has some humor to it. It's compelling enough. It leans into the goofiness of making a horror movie around Thanksgiving. That's good. The, I mean... Yeah, it yeah. was it was fun. I liked it. That's good. And I'm so, glad to see him doing horror again. He kind of veered off into doing some dumb stuff with the 
Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis, and mm. no, he needs to be doing horror. This is where he's in his lane. Yeah, this was good. I heard it did well enough that he's going to do a sequel, so wow. I'm excited okay. for that. He made this really quickly because like, he started on the Borderlands adaptation, Yeah, left it, and then filmed this whole movie as they're still doing reshoots for Borderlands, so that just makes me think that's going to be a fucking train wreck, but at least he's got Thanksgiving. That makes me happy for him. That's good. Whatever shit gets thrown his way when that comes out next yeah. year sometime. Oh, God. 17, we got John Wick. I don't remember. Had yeah. you seen any of the John Wicks before this? I've seen all of them. You yeah. have? Okay. I've been keeping up. I'm of the impression that outside of John Wick 2, they get better every time. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 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 John Wick 2, for some reason, was kind of a misstep. Yeah. Um, I mean, they always ramp it up in terms of action and stuff. That one just wasn't as narratively satisfying. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I did not think they would be able to go this long. I, th- I mean, he no. dies at like the end of every one of them, right? <laughs> right so right, you're yeah. like, oh, I guess that's it. <laughs> yep. And then there's another one and it's cool. It's yeah. always good. And it never takes me too long to watch a John Wick. You no. Know? For some reason, I'm just eventually drawn in. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. Again, this, like. This again. We were talking about how just dumb and disconnected the action sequences and the flash looked. Yeah. And you just look at that all CGI green screen shit. And right. this movie has no plot. Like it's basically yeah. R rated Fortnite. And John Wick John Wick versus everybody. Yeah. And he's just got nunchucks and horses and axes and he's been going for four movies and it's great. I know you can be John Wick in Fortnite. They got a John Wick skin. I'm I didn't sure know you, you knew what Fortnite was. Me? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah? I, I tried it he for fucking hates it. a little bit and then I got killed by a bunch of kids and felt bad about myself. Yeah. I love it. You love it. Ben's me one and of Haley the kids play it. Yeah, me. I was gonna say Ben. <laughs> ben would be one of the kids. <laughs> John Wick is about as close to a Fortnite movie as they can get, right? Unless they do some weird, like, I've never world building. Uh, no, I mean, it's so, like, bubbly. Like, the aesthetic, I just, yeah. there's no connection there no. for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the battle you know? royale aspect of it. Yeah, I see what you're yeah. saying. For sure. For sure. I get that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. 16, we got Blackberry. Yeah. It's really solid. Again, another product another movie product. I didn't know I ever needed to see, but it's really interesting. Like, didn't realize how quickly they went from owning such a majority of the market share of cell phones to just being obsolete. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of one of those things that like made sense to me in hindsight. When I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a pretty small, even though I was young at the time, I can realize now BlackBerry yeah. was not, a, not around for a long time. No, but yeah, just super well written. That one line they say, what is it? Perfect is the enemy of good and mm-hmm. good is the enemy of humanity. <laughs> Yeah. Just that like sums up the whole movie right there. You said what? The power struggle. Perfect is the enemy of good. Good enough is the enemy of humanity. Mm. And just like the power struggle between this dude who's trying to be capitalizing on making as much money as possible and just worrying yeah. about perfection later. And then the dude that's just fixating on making the perfect thing and never being able to sell it. Mm. And that's just like the power dynamic that goes throughout this whole movie. But it's really good. Another dude from It's Always Sunny showing up. Glenn Howerton was really good in this. <laughs> it was fun watching Glenn Howerton. He was probably the highlight for me. Yeah. This was, I thought it was pretty good. It felt maybe a bit standard as far as like the biopic formula. Yeah. But I don't think this director who also plays like the sidekick. Yeah. Co-star. I don't think he's done a lot. No. Some Canadian guy. Matt Johnson. He was cool. I mean, he was cool as an actor. And, and yeah, I think, I think this movie is pretty decent. So 
I'm stoked. I, I I hope he continues to get stuff to do. Pretty good. Pretty good. Got that 16. 15, we got When You Finish Saving the World. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg is somebody I can like definitely <sighs> see why people find him off-putting. Yeah, I forgot he directed this. But I really like this movie. I know. It I- made me want to not like it, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought he did a great job. Like, yeah. and you know, I've not been a big fan of Finn Wolfhard outside right. of Stranger Things, but yeah. he's kind of perfect he's as great. like the yeah. self-involved kid. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> and yeah. the music in this was really good. Like, I liked a lot of the original songs, and the soundtrack here was good. Mm-hmm. The whole dynamic with uh, Finn and Julianne Moore, who plays his mom. Which yeah, she was great. I haven't seen her in a lot lately, but I always loved Julianne Moore. Yeah, and and she was great. I also appreciate that this wasn't like a terribly long movie. Yeah, I think it made sense for what it was. The Finn Wolfhard stuff worked a lot better for me than the Julianne Moore stuff. Yeah, and part of that was because this is an A twenty four thing, right? Um, yeah, and even yeah. here we go on on Google. We've got comedy slash horror. It is not a horror. horror. Yeah, what? you can't. <laughs> But I, dude. But I was expecting that, and and maybe that's weird. maybe that's on me. I just thought a twenty four always had like a little bit of creepiness in what they did, and yeah, there's like some creepiness, but no, I was wanting it to really kind of ramp up a bit more yeah. in the Julian Moore plot line. Yeah, but it's so tame. Yeah, uh, and it just didn't go where I was wanting it to by the end. I don't know if that's really a fair expectation. You know, yeah, they do a lot of horror, but I don't think A24 is like exclusively okay. horror bound. That's strange that it's categorized as a horror movie, though. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an issue to advertise it as horror because, like, yeah. that's what I wanted. That's what I was expecting is <laughs> yeah. like comedy and, and a bit more horror than what it delivered. But yeah, that definitely shapes expectations quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, especially when you can see the points where it's like, this is when it would happen. Yeah. This is when so-and-so <laughs> would lose their shit, no. you know? And it didn't happen, and I was like so let down. I just felt like this was like a good like Noah Baumbach or like modern-day Woody Allen character comedy, <laughs> you know what I mean? But... I guess I didn't see it advertised as a horror movie. That yeah. would definitely change my perception. I guess maybe that's on me. <laughs> no. Uh, 14's Cocaine Bear, which I found out <laughs> I don't think anyone liked besides me and you, Ben. Dude, I, I liked it. I liked it. It's. I liked it, too. It's funny to me that it's so high on the list, and I think it's a product of being like one of the first movies you guys saw in the year. It might you be. You saw it together. I watched you it probably, again. You probably had a great time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, so it's like hanging up. Hanging at the top of the list like all year. I watched uh, it again to try and like convince myself out of it. And I'm yeah. like, nope, I still like hanging out with Alden Ehrenreich, yeah. eating pasta at the bar. But that's the thing, dude. I mean, he really is the highlight of the movie. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way because yeah. he's also someone that I think is really underrated. Yeah. Uh, I've loved him ever since Hail Caesar. I'm glad oh, he's back. I'm glad he's back too. But like the um, the Carrie, uh, what's, what's her? Carrie Russell? Carrie Russell. Yeah. Her plot plotline with her was pretty boring. A lot of the like action stuff had been given away in the trailer. Yeah. The bear looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that CG man. Oh man. Just don't <laughs> oh man. Broad daylight, the whole movie. I guess it's like a comedy. It's gotta be in daylight. Yeah. Probably my favorite part is just at the beginning when you've got uh Matthew Reese from The Americans 
just on that plane snorting coke and throwing bags out the (laughs) the plane just going woo woo (laughs) yeah i didn't realize that was him that's great i yeah man he's uh i think he and carrie russell like make an effort to be in stuff together together even if it's just something like that (laughs) that's what it seems like at least but yeah it was fun it was fun uh this is what's his name's last ray liotta's last role too right one of his or one of them i think he's got another movie like trickling yeah. out this year or something but yeah, yeah. i i was it's, hoping he was gonna push it a little further right. but he's still pretty good he's he, pretty good we can't like yeah he was Leone. he was actually great yeah <laughs> he's better than he was in fool's paradise for sure <laughs> 13 we got Bo is afraid mm-hmm. i rewatched this one recently because yeah. <laughs> at first like this movie is just so fucking weird like if you've seen any of Ari Aster's movies, Hereditary or yeah. Midsummer, you know this dude is like on another level yeah. uh, visually and just being able to get under your skin with shit like you have not seen in a mm-hmm. very effective way. And this is just like him with no guardrails at all in this weird psychological dark comedy hmm. in this Freudian movie about Joaquin Phoenix having just crazy anxiety trying to make it to his mom's funeral it's Mm. just insane it's Mm. so weird so many things just you never thought you'd see in a movie (laughs) and like at first i was just like wow this is a lot like what is this movie i think i'm following the thread and then it just throws you a curveball and you're lost again and i think just that ambition and Mm -hmm. just that confidence from Ari Aster as a filmmaker is just so endearing to me that I'm like, I'm so glad this dude's here and I'm so glad somebody's paying him to make these movies because it's so rare to see somebody just take such a wild swing like this. Right. I watched it recently when I rewatched the, when I was watching the curse and I think those two things kind of mirrored each other in that there's so many movies now that just like force feed you a message and tell you exactly what to think about what they're trying to say and these are just so refreshingly ambiguous yeah. and don't spoon feed you anything at all and purposely just leave you saying, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and that it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I have kind of missed that. Yeah. I've been wanting more of that in my movies lately. And Ari Aster's a great dude to be doing that. I got to check this one out. This is uh, the one that I was really hoping to get to and, and couldn't before we recorded. But I love Ari Aster, um, love Hereditary and Midsummer. I might watch this tonight. Like, I've really been wanting to watch this. And you said that it pairs well with the curse. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's out there for sure. Um, 12, we got Society of the Snow. J.A. Boyena, who is making his rebound after directing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh, right, uh, right, right. Which yeah. is nice because he was kind of like a promising up-and-coming director. Right. And then he got saddled with a really shitty franchise oh, movie. And it was like, oh, shit. Is yeah. this guy going to come back? And he did. Clean this up is... Trevorrow's mess. And... Exactly. So it was nice to see him rebound. It's a story about this Uruguayan rugby team that crashes in the Andes Mountains. Yeah. And survives there for like 71 days. I've heard about that. Yeah. I think there's been more than, I think this isn't the first movie about this either, but this was really well done. Super realistic. They filmed like in the Andes, so it looks very realistic and they capture the tone of it really well just super effective really good score i think this is giacchino did this one too so the best as always really good music there but yeah just super effective survival movie 
11, we got Poor Things. Yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos, new movie with Emma Stone. This is another Great. one I really wanted to see. It's just r- refreshing to see like an actress willing to like yeah. do this kind of role. Just not really subscribe to the whole superficial standards of what an actress needs to do to maintain yeah. some image of like what we perceive as like being a Hollywood actress and she's just fully commits here and it's, it's yeah. great. She's really she's, good. She's killing it right now. Like her career is just super interesting and cool. Right. And like the basic premise of this movie is just like a spin on Frankenstein, Yeah. which again, not to shit on Taika Waititi, but like Yorgos Lanthimos does like such a great job breathing new life into such a familiar story. Like yeah. Frankenstein's been done to fucking death no pun intended, but like he's got so much style and originality in the way he does this movie that like, it's just so enthralling, I guess, to yeah. see the weird places he takes it. So you're comparing to uh next goal wins. Yeah. Okay. Just Basically. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess that yeah. was the Taiki comparison gotcha. because I, just, I was like, did Taika make a Frankenstein? No, but again, <laughs> it's like a very familiar concept because of the person who's making it yeah. having such a strong style and such a strong creative direction that it elevates it beyond what you've already seen done a million times. For sure. This is another one I wanted to see is May, December. Yeah. May, December's Portman. up there at nine. Julian Moore in that one too. Yeah. Julian nice. Moore is in this movie. It is really well formatted and like it's like a Russian doll effect where it's a movie within a movie almost. Okay. Because they're kind of like we were talking earlier about people like flocking to true story incidents yeah. and making a movie out of it. <laughs> yeah. Natalie Portman plays this actress who is studying a role. Right. And so she goes and shadows Julianne Moore to try and like learn about her character for this movie. To play her, yeah. And yeah, just kind of the lecherous lens of like her just feeding off this real yeah, life yeah. situation. Not treating her like an actual human, but just as work. Yeah. <laughs> and like also kind of the duality of like people's willingness to manipulate perception and reality to try sure. and put up a certain facade. And just the way that they do that is so well done in this that movie. That's really cool. Very, very well done. It's kind of a dark comedy almost by like how much they lean into it sometimes. Okay. But thought it was really well done and then the last tony romo on the list we got air at number air. eight the michael jordan story yeah without michael jordan right that is Minus that's a tony romo it's the best tony romo it's okay. the best season of tony romo's career 500 yard game do yeah. you think it was should be higher should be a best or lower it's probably teetering teetering it, yeah it's right there yeah. in between the crosshairs oh okay i got yeah you. i thought it was good but it wasn't like incredible by any means it's we've seen the startup business movie yeah i don't know why this one really didn't work on me yeah and like i love matt damon yeah and i love michael jordan do you love ben affleck (laughs) yeah okay yeah i mean include him viola davis is good in this viola davis is always good i mean what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you can't hold her down (laughs) but um the only thing i even remember about this movie is like the viola davis scenes and the big speech at the end that Matt Damon gives to, I don't know who, like, I don't know who that's for, you know? (laughs) It's so weird. And it, like, maybe tainted the rest of the movie for me, but like I said, I can't really remember anything else. So maybe I I wouldn't remember it at all if it hadn't been for that. But it just felt so strange to me that he was basically, like, telling Michael Jordan what his career was going to be 
Yeah. And I'm just, we're all sitting there watching it going like, yeah, I guess that's true. That is like, he's basically saying how it went down with Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I don't understand who it's for. I don't get it. He planted the seed. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're seeing Michael Jordan's origin story. Yeah. And that's like. He incepted Michael Jordan's <laughs> greatness into young Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, I love that idea. <laughs> Yeah, that's no. cool. I thought it was good. Like, it was effective. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I hate to be such a... No, um, I, I understand because, yeah, there wasn't... Like you said, there's not a lot of, like, big standout moments. I just thought it was a really effectively well-told story. I think also, and this is something that even bothered me with Oppenheimer, when it's, like, a historical thing and I already know the outcome, Yeah, it's, like, hard to get super invested in it right you know? when they try yeah. and put like drama in, like oh yeah, is this gonna like, happen oh, well yeah man, we know is dude. Damon really gonna sell this shoe or what <laughs> right like <laughs> yeah i know he did dude yeah so it would also would have been cool at the end if they were like nike went on to own more sweatshops than adidas and all the <laughs> other shoe stores <laughs> yeah they throw a lot of shade at adidas like a little yeah. self-righteous at <laughs> yeah. points but <laughs> No, that's notoriously true. evil company. Nike probably made him do that. Like, don't you think that they had to have some sort of permission from Nike oh, yeah, to make for that? Sure. Yeah, they, to put the Adidas in yeah. there. No, or, oh, to make from the whole Nike. movie. Yes, I'm sure Nike was heavily involved. Yeah, right. In the same way <laughs> so, that Mattel was heavily yeah. involved with uh, Barbie. Yeah. Who? Mattel. I thought you said Nutella. <laughs> Nutella. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Barbie dolls are made of Nutella. <laughs> Did you think it was? A bad choice not to show Michael Jordan? No. Was like a gimmick? No, no, we talked about that again yeah. with Oppenheimer. Like when you see Einstein, it almost feels like you need to look away or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like looking into the sun, <laughs> right. you know, or yeah. at Jesus or something. Right. What's and, that? <laughs> it's like you can't depict... Uh, Muhammad. Muhammad, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. You can't depict Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I feel like they did a good job with the casting of the Einstein, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it was... Absolutely. It was fucking... Pro- I thought it was CGI. He yeah. was, he was so, and it was, was it was on. actually like, it was so pleasant to yeah. see him. And it's a it different was. thing. Like, yeah. You if know. they would have picked like a name actor, like if Anthony Hopkins was doing Einstein, it would have been a whole different thing. <laughs> right. And like with Michael Jordan, like I wouldn't look at Michael Jordan in real life if he was walking by <laughs> no, me. No. I'd avert my eyes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. So that's the Tony Romos. We finally made it to the best, the seven best movies of the year. These are the Disgusting Brothers, the Tom and Greggs. <laughs> the Disgusting Brothers. Best of the best. <laughs> Number seven is The Holdovers. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Alexander Payne. Um, he hasn't had the most consistent track record, mostly because of downsizing being his last movie he put oh. out. But uh, <laughs> this was a nice return to form for him. Just a nice, solemn character study about some oddballs spending the holidays together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really Giamatti. good cast. Yeah underrated as always like what a what a killer yeah i don't know who the the younger guy is but he was really funny i think this is his first movie like he oh, was damn. super good that scene where he breaks his hand and he's in the back of the car and they're <laughs> yeah. just bantering that was really fucking good yeah the chemistry between these three was just so good oh yeah, yeah. and uh what's her name yeah who was the Divine only joy randolph who was the only good part of the idol like yeah. honestly <laughs> i didn't know she was in that yeah and i honestly do blame her a little bit with like getting me to keep watching it because she would show <laughs> up and i'd be like Maybe this show is smart. Well, if like, she's maybe, here. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no she, she's was, she was great. Fantastic. I didn't yeah. recognize her from uh, being the cop from Only Murders in the Building. 
until yep. I looked at her IMDb after yep. this. I'm like, oh, that's where I know her. I yeah. really liked her Boston accent in this one too. Yeah. That was or Massachusetts. I don't know specifically, right. but Boston adjacent. Boston adjacent. <laughs> Good accent work for sure, and like totally convincing uh, setting. Like the uh, late yeah. 70s setting was really good. I watched this one with my parents who are well aware of that setting. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. They did a good job with that. So, yeah. Wow. Heartwarming, but like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people would look at the trailer for this and be like, I know what this is. You yeah. Know, too, too cutesy. Right. It's not. It's uh, the characters are, are total assholes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it like evens it out in a nice way. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't it it doesn't go full heartfelt no. at the end, which I thought was also a great choice. So. Yeah. It really makes you like work for this relationship between these three characters. Like yeah. they're so like at odds with each other at times that Yeah. it doesn't feel like it should work, but that almost like is what makes it more successful than it should be. 6, we got the Iron Claw, which was like Supposed to be this big Oscar vehicle for Zac Efron, but I have right. not heard anything about it since it's been released. Was he good in it? He was pretty good, yeah. Cool. It's not like I would say he was better than Killian Murphy or any of the other Oscar dudes, yeah. but he held his own. I think probably the biggest detriment to this movie is the wrestling. Mm. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm a stickler because I'm somebody who has watched a bunch of wrestling as sure. a kid. Yeah. It kind of stuck out that Zach Efron and Jeremy Allen White were actors trying to pretend to be wrestlers oh, who just got okay. super bulked up. But yeah. the story is just like so gutting. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Von Erichs story. I mean, I've heard a little bit about it because of this movie. And yeah, it does sound pretty rough. Yeah. Where, where would you place this movie on the roughness scale as far as like, where would you place it in terms of the wrestler? I'd say it's- <laughs> Also a very rough wrestling yeah. movie. The wrestler is a, a better movie for okay. sure. I feel like this may be more guilty of like tragedy porn, like okay. the whale was accused of last year where <laughs> it's, even though it's obviously going for that tone and makes like some really, really effectively emotionally- charge scenes it's still really good i think mm. the director did a great job of like capturing the era of the like early 80s grungy wrestling scene mm -hmm. and uh richard reed perry i think is his name dude from arcade fire did the mm. music for this and the music is so good like cool. i did not know this guy pivoted to doing soundtracks but mm. yeah this is definitely one of my favorite scores of the year he also did an original song in the movie which like there's a sequence where one of the brothers is like not really into wrestling and he has like a garage band on the side and he plays this song. Like they go to this house party and it's like, I want to live this way forever or whatever. And then there's a reprise of the song later after like all these tragedies have happened and he's trying to like play the guitar part the same way and sing it yeah. and he just can't get it out. And it's like, that just hit me so wow. hard. That was really effective. So I don't know. Maybe it's just, the music and wrestling <laughs> that <Yeah>. I connected <laughs> with, but I thought it was well done. I thought it was good. Awesome. Um, hopefully it gets more Oscar love than it did at the Golden Globes because I don't think it got nominated for anything. <laughs> oh, dude, not even nominated. That's an insult. Yeah, so that was a little bit of a bummer. They're obviously trying, you know. Yeah, for sure. It <laughs> came out like doing Oscar stuff. This you is very just... <laughs> Oscar movie, Christmas Day that's release. That's got to be such a like, and I know that's been happening with Maestro too, where yeah. it's like, dude, do you like hate Bradley Cooper? At least nominate him. Right. It's so mean. Well, and here's the thing, because me and Ben were talking about this a little bit, because I was telling him how much I liked Maestro. Yeah. 
And he's like, well, people are saying it's Oscar bait, but like, yeah. he was like, well, the second you saw that Oppenheimer was rated R, you were like, Nolan's going for his Oscar this year, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it clearly seems to be that way, but he is definitely like the front runner for all these awards this year. Nobody seems to be holding that against him. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. These award shows seem to be so like narrative driven of like, we need to reward this person this year. And this year just feels like Nolan told Zasloff to shove it. So we're going to give him all the awards because Universal let him make his movie and it was good. Right. (laughs) So number five is Oppenheimer. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's the intro. Dope movie. You guys both rewatched it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had no inclination to rewatch it. That's how I felt too until Haley wanted to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was like great opportunity. Music was better this time. Everything was better this time. Really? I was okay. I was putting it off, but my dad wanted to, and it was fun to watch it again. I definitely like. I don't know. A lot of my criticisms just were not relevant to the second viewing for yeah. some reason. I don't know why that is, but yeah. And I thought it was going to move even slower, but I had less of a problem with that transition into the the third act of the movie Same. this time. Like Same. It, it just 100%. felt much more of a piece for some reason. I feel like the first time I expected the explosion to be the climax. Right. Yeah. And kind of like, well, it kind of is. It is, yeah, but, but like I expected yeah. that to kind of be the end. Sure. Yeah. So that threw me off, but watching it again, having the stamina for it, like knowing yeah. how long you needed. <laughs> yeah. 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 When's this going to hit? I, I get hey, it, man. That makes a difference. Yeah. I think. No, but yeah, obviously, Super well made. I enjoyed it. He can only go so wrong, you know. Right. <laughs> Tenet. I'm a little surprised it's been as dominant as it has been at all the award shows. I think it won almost every category yeah. at the Golden Globes. Is Down that each- why? Is that why you've slid it down like three spots? I haven't. <laughs> See, that's that's why I tried to do this early so I can't be accused of being reactionary. But I did slide it because initially I had it as like my number one for most of the summer, and that mm-hmm. part of that is just because most of the good movies don't come out until the last five weeks of the year. But I don't know. It just didn't stay with me the way most Nolan movies did where I'm just like, yeah, I saw that. It was what it was. If I ever see it again, fine. If I don't, that's fine too. So one of the things that edged it out was dream scenario. Yeah. We've got that. That's at four. four. What'd you think of that movie? I loved it. I did too. I, uh, (laughs) man, obviously always down with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But he was really bringing it this time, you know? It's like one of his rare performances up with, like, um, adaptation. Yeah. And just some of my favorite Nicolas Cage stuff. Yeah, I didn't know he could he could quite do this shade of character, but it's great. And, yeah, the movie itself, I just think, is a good kind of examination with obsession with fame and what fame could actually mean and just how pathetic we all are. If like, <laughs> as soon as one thing you've got going, like catches on with people, you're like, well, I guess that's my thing now, you right. know? Yeah. It's really effective. Yeah. We kind of talked earlier about more ambiguous storytelling and this was like exploring some really unique and, you know, original stuff that you haven't seen in a while. And it's yeah. a cool concept, but it also doesn't get weighed down in like the logistics of, oh, here's how the dreams work. And yeah. here's how he's being projected. No, like, no, 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 no. This it's weird so... thing keeps happening and here's how he's dealing with it. It's so hands off <laughs> with all that. Yeah. So I, my interpretation was that he kind of like fucked up 
at a certain point. I don't know if that's your interpretation, but when he like goes home with the younger girl. That seemed to be the turning point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know if that was just me, but I really felt like that was where the character really let let me down. Yeah. Because I liked stuff about him until that happened, and then it was like, all right, you really are this dude. And then that scene yeah. with them <laughs> trying to have sex or something <laughs> like it. Yeah. It is so fucking good, dude. That was, like it that is was the, the turning point. Oh man. <laughs> I fucking died. I laughed so hard at Nicolas Cage just willing to look like the biggest buffoon. It was great. It was really great. Really good. Really mm. solid. Three, we got Maestro, Speak of the Devil. There he is. I know a lot of people have been down <laughs> on this movie, yeah, either from Oscar bait or a lot of people just bummed that it wasn't more about Bernstein right. making music. and Yeah, or like the half measure of what is this supposed to be about Bernstein or his wife, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I thought it was a really unique way to do a biopic, whereas, you know, we talked a little bit about Oppenheimer air where you kind of know their career trajectory already you know how it's going to end whereas this wasn't as focused as like okay how did he go into making the score for West Side Story it was more about like what built this guy as a creative force Hmm. and like all the different parts of his life that helped him you know produce this incredible music and it it was another movie that kind of tore down the facade of like the genius mastermind and he's more just the product of like the music moving through him and like what mm-hmm. inspired him. And at the end of the movie, he's just like, yeah, it just doesn't hit as much as it used to, you know? And it's a result of his relationships. It's a result of where he is in his life. And yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was a really cool study of kind of like the creative process and what made up this guy's motivations, his career. Um, and yeah, it doesn't hurt that Bradley Cooper is a fucking great director. Like, yeah. Super good. I know a lot of people have been pivoting from acting to directing, but he's really good in this. So he gets the Oscar over Nolan? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> what about Killian? Directing? I think Killian gets the acting Oscar. Okay. I think directing, I don't know. I might I might give it to, to Nolan. Yeah? Probably. I mean, unless I'm going to give it to Ari Aster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's, just as far as directors go, he's probably oh, like got my most highly anticipated watch list of like, I want to see what that dude does, does next. Who directed the Super Mario Bros. movie? You love yeah, that he guy, was great, right? right? <laughs> <a> visionary. <laughs> Number two, we got Barbie. There she is. So earlier <laughs> I had Oppenheimer. I said, I yeah, think on the yeah. show, I said Oppenheimer's probably the better movie, but Barbie's the funner one to watch. Mm-hmm. And I found myself rewatching Barbie and having kind of the same experience you guys described about Oppenheimer, where like oh. the oh, thing, wow. the things that stuck out to me the first time just went down a lot smoother, where I'm like, yeah. I like this even better the second time. Nice. So I've rewatched this one as well. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot the first time around, and I would say it worked as well maybe even a little better the second time i was a little confused by the uh the plot line of barbie needing to become a human yeah <laughs> the first time i saw it i'm still slightly confused when i look at it from the right angle but it's making a little more sense to me now and god dude i just i remember thinking how great ryan gosling was but rewatching it he's just hilarious he's really funny and i thought that after seeing the nice guys yeah uh, a lot of people haven't seen that movie 
Um, I've seen it. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. It's a great movie. Him doing some more comedic stuff in there. I think he got even better for this movie. Yeah. But, and it's not all, you know, I think some people's problem is like, well, Ken's the best part of the movie. It's like, I don't know. Maybe he is, but I think this movie said everything it wanted to say regardless, so yeah, I'm not sweating it. This is everything you could ever want. Like, they're not going to do a sequel, right? I hope, I mean, I think... <laughs> I've heard Margot Robbie said, like, we put everything into right. this, we're well, not gonna. But there have been, like, whispers of, yeah. like, a Ken spinoff, and I really hope they don't do that, because, yeah. like I said, I mean, this basically already is as much Ken as you need, so... Right. Do you think Mattel thinks like this pays off in the long run? Like our Barbie sales I think they're up? They're idiots, dude. Weren't they the ones that right after were like, Daniel Kaluuya signed up for a Magic Eight Ball movie? No, he's Barney. <laughs> there is a Magic Eight Ball movie, but yeah, I'm, they want the I, whole I Mattel the universe. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't do this anymore, you guys. If that's what we're looking at next year. Is yeah, Daniel Kaluuya is Barney juggling a Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> but this was good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Solid movie. Number two, which leads us to number one, Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. The fuck is that? Movie kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, The Anatomy of a Fall? Yeah. Yeah. Palm Dior winner. (laughs) No, the grandpa, but yeah. (laughs) You guys said yeah when I asked back. It's kind of on you. Super good. And I don't know why nobody's thought to do like a trial procedural movie without knowing how like the end result. Like, you see what happens and why they go to trial, but you don't necessarily know if she's innocent or guilty. Right. And I don't feel yeah. like anyone really does that in a lot of, like, trial movies. And it's such I mean, a clever way to do, like, a true crime aspect where you're trying to figure it out as you watch it. The level of ambiguity alone in, like, a crime yeah. thing is just unprecedented yeah. with Anatomy of a Fall. <laughs> it's, it's just so like, good. no, like, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not just spelling all this shit out for you. That's the whole point. Right. Uh, and it really gets at, like, the complexity of relationships. Well, sh- should we say anything about this? Should we, like, explain what this is about at all? Yeah, it's we like, can say, like, the, the It's basics. given away, like, pretty quickly. Yeah. There's um, a, a guy dies and, her, and her, his wife is basically the only suspect and their blind son is like the only quote unquote witness to the whole thing. Right. It happens in France. It's like a very interesting look at the the French court system. Yeah. Which we're obviously not very used to. <laughs> yeah. Pretty different from what we deal with. And like some of the investigative stuff that you get to see is pretty different from what we're familiar with as well. So yeah, even just seeing like, a procedural in a different country was cool, but the whole movie is playing around with ambiguity. And there's there's a part that I wanted to reference where the husband's therapist is takes the stand and like gives his view of things and like talks about all this stuff that the guy said in therapy. And the wife is like, you think you know us from from that? Like, right. what the fuck is going on here? Like, it's, you know, like 1% yeah. of our relationship. And the movie really, like, plays that out. You know, that is, like, a, a theme that resonates through the whole thing. It just really gets at, like, the complexity of relationships and, I don't know, maybe the complexity of truth in a way. Yeah. Like, how everyone has an individual truth in a way. Yeah, dude, I I loved this. Just got to this one last night, so it's like pre- fresh in my head. Yeah, I've been thinking about it all day. Like it's <laughs> so good. I yeah. liked it a lot. Obviously, movie of the year. 
That's my number one. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, I guess that's it. We don't need any recommendations. We just listed no, 90 things. You can find some stuff in there to watch. <laughs> For sure. That's it. That's the season. We're done. Goodbye. Bye. For more, visit internetkillthevideostore.com.